Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Jets Lab podcast. I'm your host, Joey Bonsanti. Sitting across the laptop from me is my co-host, Jarrett Taromeo. JT, episode 16, how we feeling, man? Feeling good, Joey. A lot of a lot of good things to report this episode. A lot of good news, a lot of good topics to talk about. And as some of you saw on Twitter or maybe did not, we do have a special guest, first inaugural guest here on the Jets Lab podcast. The man himself, chasing payments, Tony Vegas, Tony Perone. I mean, every you call him whatever you want, but how you doing, Tony? Thanks for coming on. Doing great. You know, thank you guys for having me. I'm, uh, I've been listening, you know, since the beginning, and uh, you know, we talk enough all day about the Jets, so it's about time I finally hopped on here. So thanks for having me, guys. Of course, and uh, yeah, Tony, big Jets fan, obviously. If you're not a Jets fan, you're probably not going to be on here, so. Um, definitely excited to get into it today. We got a uh, brief lab report and then a, a, a fun main topic, main event, doing over-unders today, stat predictions, and uh, just switching it up a little this week on a, a very slow-moving, uh, what is it today, May 27th. So, JT, what do you got for us on this lab report? Yeah, so in this lab report, as everyone knows, OTAs has officially started. And from what it sounds like, sounds like Zach Wilson is balling out. He Ball is not hitting the ground in seven-on-sevens as Jets fa- X-Factors reporting. And he has a little Keelan Cole connection right now, throwing some touchdowns to him. And the reason why that may be is because we see uh, six potential starters and one uh, depth guy with Chuma not showing up to OTAs so far. Uh, those guys are Marcus May, Jamison Crowder, Mikai Becton, Denzel Mims, Carl Lawson, Alex Lewis, and as I said, Chuma. So not a big deal. All veterans and these guys, most of them have uh, spots on the team or solid starting spots. So there's no reason for them really to be at OTAs. But speaking of Alex Lewis as well, he just restructured his contract which really makes it easier to keep him on the team, not cut him and have him as a good depth piece at 3 million from previously 5.8 mil. So we saved 2.8 there. Obviously you were very excited about that move. Uh, it's a small amount of money, but I mean, still nice to lower the price on a backup guy and a solid backup of that. The big thing is to getting eliminating the final year of 2022. So some of that money can then go to Quinn and Williams when we have to pay him eventually. So, Tony, are you um, overreacting to the Zach Wilson OTA performance yet or no? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, yes. But you know, I'm concerned about Chumley Doga not showing up. You know, that's the that's a big storyline here. I'm kidding. But anyway, yeah, no, I, I, you know what? He's the guy that's going to look good in shorts. He's a cannon of an arm. And, you know, everybody was saying he has the lively arm, which, you know, it feels good. It, I feel like Sam Darnold really, you know, really heard that about him. So, it's going to be fun watching him sling it, man. Big talking point for Zach so far is his release apparently is giving them a huge advantage, and that's something that we all loved about him. So it's great to finally see that see that in action, and it would be great to see some videos soon. Absolutely. And I know we have a couple more points on the lab report. One point that I wanted to bring up briefly is the announcement of the full capacity at MetLife Stadium for 2021. I'm super pumped up for this. I know you guys are too. I know Tony's planning on going a bunch of games. I hopefully going to a couple, but I mean, this is just awesome news for the NFL, for the jets and everyone involved. So I'm super pumped for that. Yeah, that's going to be great. Going to have a full stadium. I mean, sports are back baby. And that place is going to be loud, even though it's an air conditioner, it's going to be a loud air conditioner week two though. I mean, new England coming to MetLife. I just can't even imagine the atmosphere. It's a game that I'm 
highly considering going to. It's going to be an absolute zoo. And uh, you know we're going to come out fucking sling, slinging too. Yeah. I, I mean, I really I, – I, you got to hope that that's a really good game for Zach Wilson in the offense there. But I guess we'll see. And then moving forward with the lab report, though, we see Salo actually came out and said that we're not expected to sign a veteran corner just yet. He wants to get those young guys some reps, and it's probably the smart move right now. Get those guys working, see what you have in the young guns, and if need be, sign a veteran corner on uh, uh, when the season comes earlier, like when you're closer to that season. That way you're not stealing any reps from those guys in training camp. But one veteran that is excited to be back is C.J. Mosley, and he wants people to put some respect on his name again this year. All right, two points. One being that to a point that we made last week or on the episode where we broke down the back end of the the draft and where Salah wants to develop a lot of these young corners that he has drafted on later on, it makes a lot of sense, and I don't think he's going to – you know, marry the idea that we have to bring in a veteran corner. Let's see what we have in the young guys and see what we can do with this cornerback room heading forward. So I like that. As for CJ Mosley, again, me and you were talking about this before JT, hopefully he can be average, you know, two years of pretty much no football activity, injury year, the COVID opt out. We're just hoping that he could bring and unify that uh, linebacker core. Yeah. I don't think we should expect the CJ Mosley, we all thought we were signing two years ago, but if he can be average, that'd be fine with me as this linebacking group does not look very strong right now. And then one final point is Julio Jones is on the trade block. And right now the Patriots are favored to uh, acquire Jones. And some teams have called offering first round picks supposedly already. But man, if the Jets could somehow get Julio Jones now for Zach Wilson, and I know it's we're not very we're not one piece away from the Super Bowl, but I don't know. I mean, it's obviously it would have to be an incredible deal for us if we could just like trade a second for him. That'd be great, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's in the cards for us this year, boys. Yeah, and like I said before pre-show, I don't really want it to be in the cards. I feel like we have a really good wide receiver core right now, and a lot of developmental guys. You know, I wouldn't want Julio taking reps from Mims, you know, as, as cool as it would be to have Julio Jones, he is 31 years old. He's injury prone. Don't know how it would fit with our offense right now and the pieces that we have. Now, this is the best part about Jets fans is that we're the only fan base that can go two and 14 and then say, no, nah, we don't want Julio Jones. No, we don't want <laughs> Sean Watson. We don't, you know, it's, it's nuts. But why do I, I completely agree with you, which is, which is the funny thing. You know, I'm so excited to see all these young receivers and, you know, I don't want a veteran, you know, in there. I just want to see what Elijah Moore, Corey Davis and Denzel Mims can all do. And, you know, I'm really excited. That's one of the position groups that I feel we're really pretty strong at, you know, it's pretty deep and, uh, you know, Keenan Cole, man, I feel like he's, I feel like they're going to have a nice little connection. Like you said, JT. He's probably the strongest, you know, fifth wide receiver in the league. He could be probably a three or four in some slots and some teams. So. We do have good depth for the first time in a long time. It feels like we have great depth at a position. But uh, that's it for the lab report. All right, let's jump into the the main event here. Let's let's get into the fun stuff. Doing over unders, doing stat predictions. JT, you kept them secret from me. You didn't want to tell me before the show. Let's let's hear some. So we'll start with the win over under for the Jets. Now this is from sports books, and it is set at previously it was at six. Now it is at six and a half. And I'll tell you this, I will lead it off, but I am going with the under on this. I expect us to get six wins. 
as we did in our prediction episode. I'm going to stick with that. Be consistent. I'm going under six and a half. Tony, you go. Okay. You know, obviously I'm going to go the over just because I, I, I've gone through the schedule a million times and it favors us, man. We never have back-to-back road games. We're always coming back home. And so, you know, I can't help but think, you know, yes, we had two wins last season, but that was with the worst quarterback and worst coaching staff in the league. You got to think with some growth to Mekhi Beckton and Quinn Williams and all of our young players. And, you know, the schedule is not that bad. I got to go over. I think we're going to get seven or eight. Yeah, that's, I mean, eight. That's where I think you start to stretch it a little bit. I do think we go over here. I don't want to be black and white here, but I, in, in our, in our schedule prediction, I had us at seven wins and with a lot of games with an asterisk next to it. And I think seven wins is a really fair assessment. Um, so I think the over with this, like you said, favorable schedule, the only time we'd go back to back road games per se is when we go Atlanta in London, but then we have the buy and then we're at new England. So, eh, I mean, you can't really call it back to back. So I'll go over. We got two overs and one under. Hey, it's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. It's definitely a favorable schedule as you both said, but it's going to be a fun season regardless. As long as everyone stays healthy and we see Zach Wilson prog- uh, progressing in the positive direction, that's all I need. And now we'll break into stat predictions and starting with Zach Wilson. So, Tony, we will start with you at with passing yards over under 33-25, 3,325 yards. Okay, so... Again, you didn't tell us what the lines were set at. And in the pre-show, I did say, I think I said 32. So I got to go under. But, you know, it wouldn't sh- – I'm going to go under. I, he's a rookie quarterback. We, we have to temper our expectations. The 17th game does come into play. But I'm going to say safe. He's going to be right there, but it's going to be just under. You know, that's a lot of yards for a rookie. And, you know, a guy that goes from – I mean, he played at BYU last season. So, I mean – if he comes into the NFL and rips 3,500 yards, then by all means, you know, I sure hope he does, but I, I'm saying just under. All right, bring it my way. Um, again, my stat prediction from Gecko was around floating around 3,000. I think it's going to be around 3,100 yards. I'm going to go take the under here, even with the 17th game. I think there's going to be some growing pains, obviously, with the rookie. Um, you have, he's working with a brand new offensive staff, brand new weapons. Um, I just think it's a safe bet to say, even with the extra game, he will throw around 3,000 yards. I'm actually going to take the over here. And so here's an interesting tidbit. I did not also share this with you guys earlier, but I did say there's one sports book that has stat predictions for all rookie QBs, uh, specifically for their passing yards. And they set Zach Wilson's passing yards at 3,800. And now they were 10 QBs last season who had 3,800 yards or more, including Justin Herbert. I don't think he's going to get that many yards, but I could see him getting 3,400 yards in this expanded season. Plus, with a, you're in a 2021 NFL here. I mean, we're not talking about like, like last week when we were comparing Mark Sanchez's stats. This is not 2010. This is 2021. For a rookie to come in and throw 3,500 yards is not the craziest thing in the world. Herbert literally did it last year, and – the fact that the line set that high is really promising, though, because it feels like the obvious pick is to say under. All the money is going to go under. Nobody's going to think he's going to go over that. So I feel like 
there something's up. <laughs> he might explode for, he might have Justin Herbert here. Who knows? You know, hey, that'd be nice. That'd be very nice. <laughs> and now moving on to touchdowns, Joey, we'll start with you here. Touchdowns set at 26 and a half. Wow. I actually was not expecting the line to be that high. Um, I have them, you know, it's, it's not a favorable number, but I have them at 23 touchdowns this year. Um, so I'm going to go under on this line. It's again, it, it's a thing where I could see him explode for a bit more, but I think that's pretty, it's a pretty good level to have him at 23 there. Tony. Yeah. You know, Again, I mean, it's it's super, super promising that the line set at 20, what was it, 26 and a half? This is the line I made for full disclosure. Okay, gotcha. 20, I, mean, <laughs> I love the confidence. I think, I think it's going to be around Joey's area. I think he's going to be, I'm going to say a fair assessment. We just watched the quarterback throw nine touchdowns over the <laughs> game. How many games did he play? 13? He played? Yeah, he played Maybe 13. I think. I'm, I'd be happy with 22. I think 21, 22. And, you know, Donald had, was, he had a solid rookie year. We were all, we were all bought in, you know, and I think he threw 15 touchdowns. So, I mean, if Wilson comes in and throws 22, I think that's a huge success. Let's be real. I think that area, I actually still, I could see him throwing around like 24, 25. I do think he's coming in under there. Uh, what I was trying to do when saying this line, I was looking at a bunch of the QBs from last year and, I was actually looking at, I mean, hard to say this, but Kyler Murray threw 26 touchdowns last year. And of course, Kyler Murray had an incredible season, at least for that first half before he got banged up in the Thursday night game, I believe. And, but he mostly got a lot of his touchdowns running, I thought. So I thought if he could get in that range of 24 to 26 touchdowns rookie year, I mean, that'd be incredible. And that would really show some promise. But moving on now to interceptions, uh, another good one here. Set interceptions at 13 and a half, trying to have that two to one ratio. Tony, where are you thinking? I'm going to go under. I think he's, he's going to be much more safe with the ball than what we've seen in previous years. And, you know, it depends, it depends on a lot of factors because if we're down and, you know, we brought this up as well. If the defense is giving up a ton of points and he's just out there ripping it, trying to get us back in the game, which I hope isn't the case, but you know, let's be real, our corners aren't that good. So it might be the case. If he's just out there ripping it, obviously he's gonna he might, you know, he's gonna throw a few more picks. But I'm gonna say under. I think he's gonna throw if I were to set a prediction, I'd say 10. I'm gonna say he throws 10. Joey. Yeah, I I like your outlook on that. I'm gonna say over though. I have him at, at 14 interceptions. Um and the reason is I do think he's going to be safe with the ball, but I can't see him throwing like, I just don't see a line of 24 touchdowns and 10 picks. It sounds great. It sounds amazing, but I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit realistic. I think that early on in the season is when you're going to see a lot of his mistakes. So I could see his inter touchdown interception ratio being a bit wacky heading into like week six or seven until he starts to maybe figure things out. I think 14 is where I was hovering at. I'm also going to go over, and I think he's going to have around 15 interceptions. I honestly, at that New England secondary, it's still scary. I mean, Stephon Gilmore is still a top corner, and it's very early in the season when we play New England. He might might be seeing some ghosts out there, so you, you never know with these rookie quarterbacks. That's a good point. The cornerbacks in our division are so good, and it's absurd. I mean, the, you got the Dolphins with those with – 
Howard and uh, Byron Jones, Byron Jones, and then Tredavious White and Stephon Gilmore. It's going to be tough. Uh, I didn't even take that into account, but that's a good point. Okay. Well, it's a QB friendly offense. It's a new offense, QB friendly. And one final stat here for Zach Wilson. I wanted to throw something kind of wild in there. It's not completely wild with the setting, but just rushing touchdowns. I know Tony loves Zach Wilson's rushing ability, but I set this at three and a half touchdowns rushing. I wasn't sure how much running he would really be doing in this offense with a new team, new coach. I don't know what this offense, we don't know what it's going to look like, but three and a half rushing touchdowns, Joey, over under? I'm praying for the under. I don't want him running. <laughs> I want him, I want him chilling in the pocket behind that offensive line. I'm going to say, I'm going to say his two rushing touchdowns and uh, that's it. Let's cap it at that. Tony? I'm going to go, I'm going to go over. I, I do love his rushing ability. It, it, my comparison for him is is Kyler Murray, just not as fast and as good at running. So I think, and I think they're going to give him looks there. You know, he's he's sneaky fast. So I'm going to say he's going to get four. He's going to get four. I'm with you on that. I think he can get four. And to be honest, but when I was uh, setting this line specifically, I was thinking QB sneaks a lot. That's really an art with the QBs, and it feels like it's a lost art at this time. It seems like Tom Brady's the only one who does it, but. I think that behind this O-line with uh, having AVT at the left guard and maybe McGovern has a little resurgence here, but maybe Zach Wilson starts QB sneaking a bit. I mean, I haven't really seen him take under center snaps. I don't think he took many at BYU, but it could be possible. Now moving on to Corey Davis. Now, Corey Davis came off of a career year last year, so hopefully you can replicate that but we're starting with his receptions at 67 and a half over under tony 67 and a half for Corey davis he was my favorite free agent receiver i love that we got him i'm gonna go under we have a lot of mouths to feed on this on this offense you know not a lot of tight end but i mean the receivers they're gonna have to scatter the ball around man you know it's it's you know it's a deep room like we said and I'm going to go under. I don't think we're going to have a legitimate – I'd love for Corey Davis to be the number one, you know, bona fide number one, but I don't think we're going to have one, and I think it's going to be – I think he's going to go under. It's not going to be – it's going to be like 60 or like 59. You know, he's going to be more of a red zone target, I think, which which is going to be good. That's that's my prediction. That averages out to about four receptions a game, but obviously I don't think he's going to be getting that. It, it could be, you know, 6-1 game literally one in the red zone the next game. And I think with our deep wide receiver room, they're going to be running a lot of different stuff. And I would say under here, I'd say it's going to be around a 55 if I had to guess. And I know that's low, but you got to think that this is not your typical offense where you're feeding just one guy. So I think they're really going to try to, sp- I mean, think about the 49ers offense, how much they spread that ball around, you know, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, all the running backs, you know, it's just a very involved offense. So I don't see him getting the boatload of work. Plus you got to factor in injury. Hopefully he doesn't get injured fingers crossed, but you never know. I'll be the contrarian of the group, but I'm going to go with the over and speaking to that point, Joey, I mean, he missed uh, two games last year and he still had about 65 receptions. I think he can break, 70 this year with a full healthy season and 17 games. And the big thing is with that offense, the Titans offense, they did a lot of play action. Of course, we don't have Derrick Henry to help with that play pass, but I think Corey Davis really thrives with that play action game, running those mesh routes, and he can really get those receptions downfield. But moving on to Corey Davis's yards, 
I threw he had a, over 950 yards last year. So this year I'm saying over under 915 yards. Joey? I mean, I'm taking the under here. I don't I don't see it. there's not one person who's going to come close to an 1000 yard season this year in my opinion. Again, that speaks to how they're going to spread the ball around. I'd say he probably comes around tops 850. Um that's probably where I'd cap him though. Tony? I would love to say over, but I said under on the catches. So I think he's going to hover around 900. Um, it makes sense to think that he's going to go over because you'd think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver. I mean, last year was his true breakout season. He had loads of potential beforehand and he finally came into his own, but the, the deep receiver room strikes again. I think he's going to get under, unfortunately, but it, it's not a bad thing, you know? I could see him also going under here, but around 900 yards, I definitely think. Like I said, I really do think we're just going to be feeding him the ball mostly off that play-action pass. And then finally, last year, Corey Davis had six touchdowns. This year, touchdowns, uh, we didn't have a receiver over six, but I'm saying Corey Davis is over under six and a half. Tony? I'm going over. This is where I think he's going to – this is where I think he's going to help us a lot. You know, last year we did not have that big receiver. Mims to an extent, but he was hurt for a lot. So now we have two of them, and I think that's where he's going to get the ball, man. Is in the red zone. I think he's going to eat up receptions there, and I'm going to say he gets. I'm going to say he gets eight touchdowns. Joey, I like that. I have him at seven touchdowns, and I have to give him the over at, at some point here. I think in most of his production, as Tony said, is going to be in the red zone, and off that play action. So I mean, give give me seven touchdowns for Corey Davis, and uh, I think that's the stat that's going to jump out for him in 2021. I'm going to go with the under here. This is where I think the deep wide receiver group and also I think the running back group will come into play. I'm, I haven't looked too deep into it, but I think with this offensive scheme that we're going to be running the ball more so in the red zone than we think, uh, especially inside that 10-yard line. So I think he's going to have the yards and the receptions, but the touchdown stat might be lacking. Staying with the receivers, though, we're going to move on to rookie Elijah Moore. Now, we're all probably expecting Elijah to replace Crowder here. So we'll set his receptions, though, at 43 and a half. Uh, Tony, what do you think? 43 and a half. Hmm. I'm going to go. I'm going to go over. I think he's going to get. I'm going to go. He'll be 48.50. I think he's going to start off slow because we do have Crowder. But I think eventually he's going to be the, the, the guy in the slot. You know, I think give him four games. I mean, he's one of the – there's nothing to make you believe that he's not pro-ready. You know, he's going to come in. He's going to dominate with his route running. And, you know, Crowder's good. He's very sneaky. He can sneak on – you know, he's good, but he's – more has the athleticism that Crowder just doesn't. And he also has the deep ball ability. So, I think he's going to really take over that slot position, maybe even kick him out a little bit. And I think he's going to go over I agree here. I'm going over. I think he um, is second in re in receptions on this team this year. And um, if he develops as I expect him to, I think that he could take that that big role in the offense and obviously be that gadget guy and get a lot of those kind of easy receptions. But I could see him being a guy who gets around three receptions a game. Here I'm going to go under. I think he'll be hovering around 40 receptions and I actually think we're going to use Elijah. You just said it, Joey, as a gadget guy, and I could see him being that Ayuk version of getting those jet sweeps mostly, and that's where we might see him really break out in this offense, being that 
jet sweep wide receiver who also is in the short game. But I think Corey Davis is really going to be eating that the receptions for this team. Moving yeah. on to Moore's yards. It's so nice. Sorry. It's just so nice to have a playmaker for once. It's going to be cool. <laughs> it is nice. It's It'll be different. different. It's going to be very different. <laughs> it's the last time we had a guy like that. I mean, like, seriously, Santana Moss? I, I have no idea. Uh, it's I I don't even know. Never. Not like not like this, I don't think. And I know he's better than Kadarius Tony. but moving on to his yards uh i have him set 575 yards joey what do you think um i'll give him the under here again i I think this is where you know you could see him get a a lot of rushing yards too with the way they're going to use him so i don't necessarily think that a lot of his catches will generate massive plays like 20 plus yard plays i think it's going to be shorter more intermediate. So I'm giving the under there. Tony? I went over before. I'm going to go over again. I think he's going to hover around there, but I do think that's a good line. That's a very good line, but I think he's just going to get just above it. You know, you bring up, you bring up a good point. He's going to get a lot of rushing yards. And but, but I think he's going to get enough catches to where he's going to, he's going to surpass that. Here I'm going to go under just again. I think he's going to be right around that 550, but – I think he's going to be a good guy for us, regardless of his stats. I think he's going to shine in this offense. And then finally, the fun stat of touchdowns. I wasn't really too sure what to set it as. As I said earlier, we only had a Crowder-led RTDs with six this year, so I set it pretty low at three and a half for more. Tony, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I went over for the rest of them. I got I to go over again. You know, <laughs> I, think, I think he's going to get four. I think he'll get four touchdowns. And – I don't know how they're going to come because I do think it's tough because we have those big red zone guys and we have Crowder, but I think he'll sneak in for four. I think he will. You're good for the over here. I think, I think four nails it for me. I think uh, right around four, there's no way he's not getting four. Yeah. I have to agree with both of you on that. I do think this is where he is getting the over. I, the biggest thing too with him is I think he really has that breakaway ability where he really can just, you never know just be a home run hitter for us in this offense. Moving on, I'm going to go to Quinnen Williams and his sack prediction. Now, Quinnen had seven sacks last year, and he missed a, missed one full game. I think he missed a couple other snaps as well, but I set his over under at 10 and a half. Uh, Joey, what do you think for Quinnen? That was sacks, you said? Yes, yeah, 10 and a half sacks. I'm going under. I think he comes in with uh, nine. Ooh. I have nothing. I have nothing else to say. I just think he comes in with nine. I, I know a lot of people expect him to absolutely tear it up this year, and that's that's fine. But I think nine is a pretty fair assessment for him. Tony, what do you think? I'm gonna go. He has a 12 sack season. I think he's going to take that number two spot. You know, obviously nobody's better than Aaron Donald. He's probably the greatest defensive player we're ever gonna see. I think he's gonna be that second best defensive tackle. I mean. They called him a big bar of soap coming out of college because he just slips through, and we finally saw it last season. The broken foot sucks, but, dude, I mean, he was our best player, I think, last year. I don't think that's even a debate. You know, you get another offseason, and he was so young. He looks even more muscular now. I'm going I'm going 12. I'm with you right there, Tom. I'm going over as well. I think he might get 11, but 12 would be fantastic. But here's my hot take for Quinn and Williams is I bet you he makes all pro this year. Oh man, this is just. I think I agree, dude. I, I 
I absolutely think he's going to be an all pro caliber player. You drafted him number three He's a defensive tackle. You don't just draft those guys. I don't care who drafted him. McCagden. I don't know. He has to, you know, I mean, he's an animal. My fingers are crossed. I I like what you guys are saying. I, I just don't want to let the, uh, the optimists come out too much. <laughs> I'm trying to ground myself a little bit. <laughs> We're way past that point, Joey. Now moving on. And part of the reason why I think Quinlan's going to have such a great year is because of who's right next to him. And that's Carl Lawson. Funny thing is he only had five sacks last year. He had a lot of QB hits and a lot of pressures, but I set his over under at six and a half. Tony, what do you think? Over, over, over. I think Lawson that was our best signing. I think that might've been our best signing. You know, I remember we were, <laughs> I, we, I got the update from Joey, Joey texting our group chat. I just see Carl Lawson all caps. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, he just couldn't, I don't know what it was last year. You know, I watched a bunch of his tape after we signed him and I mean, dude, he has everything you want. I mean, he can overpower the tackles, you know, he can, he's fast. Yeah, he's going to be really, really good. So, um, you know, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to say like seven, seven, eight. Joey? Uh, sorry, I was just reading a message from Zoom. They removed our time limit, so we are good for – so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go – he smashes the over here. He's going to have 10 sacks this year. So I like the dynamic duo of uh, a loss in Quinnen, uh, big sack year. I see him hovering around that 10-11. And I think that the reason as to why, like you had said, he he – I, I'd mentioned numbers earlier on in, in earlier episodes about how he got to the quarterback and pressures and all, all of that stuff. But I think he actually connects this year and, and gets a lot of sacks. So I'm actually going to go with the under here. And my reasoning is I actually think Quinnen's going to be stealing his sacks. I think that Quinnen is probably the main guy to be focusing on for this defense, but I think he offensive lines aren't just going to ignore Carl Lawson and the way he plays I think just his playing style is going to really open it up for Quinnen or maybe for a linebacker that's blitzing. I'm not, I haven't looked at Salah's blitz percentages or anything like that, but I think Lawson is the one that's going to be opening up other lanes for other people. That being said, I think he's going to have a great year still, a lot of QB pressures, a lot of hits, and a lot of tackles. I just think he's going to kind of get, uh, picked apart and uh, cherry picked with these sacks by other players on this team. Imagine being a quarterback lining up and seeing Quinnen coming through the middle and then you got Lawson's hand in the dirt coming off the edge. It's, it's a scary sight. The, the line is really, is really scary. And one of, again, I think going to be one of the best in football this year. Top five, top five front seven, in my opinion. And linebackers aren't that good, but dude, our defensive line is scary. When's the last time we like Elijah uh, Moore? When's the last time we had a pass rusher? A legit threat off the edge. I don't remember. Abraham. Yeah, Not Abraham. Remember. And it's funny because Carl Lawson had five sacks last season, but I mean, it's not, there's nothing that can compare to it, man. It's it's ridiculous how starving we've been for a pass rusher. 15 years, man. It's unreal. Yeah. I think the defensive line is definitely going to be the highest potential of being a top five group for us on this team with offense and defense included. I mean, there are a few teams that you could say really uh, stack up with this defensive line. Yep. Got to hope so. And now one bonus over under here, I glossed over it earlier, but we'll come right back to it, is Denzel Mims. We had all had high hopes for him last season, but 
this year. Uh, he had unfortunate injuries last season, but this year, hopefully he's healthy. And we have his receptions at 58 and a half. Tony, what do you think? Under. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a, he's going to rack up receptions. I think he's going to be, he looks massive by the way. If you, I'm sure we all saw those pictures of him at camp, dude, he's huge. He's like six, he's like six, three, like ginormous. I think he's going to go under though. I don't see him getting a bunch of catches. I think he's going to be one of those jump ball guys in the red zone again, like a less versatile Corey Davis. I think they're pretty similar players. Joey. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Um, pretty, pretty much stole the words out of my mouth, what I was going to say. And I think they're really going to try to utilize him in the red zone. And it, I think it comes down to, <clears throat> excuse me, it comes down to how well he and how quickly he develops in year two. And if he can stay on the field, because you never know how the offense turns out. You never know with a rookie quarterback who he's going to turn to most of the time. You know, this is a brand new quarterback. So if he, Denzel Mims ends up being his guy, his go-to guy, you could see the numbers completely turn around here. I'm actually going to go with the over with Denzel Mims. I think he's going to be taking a lot more reps and a lot of receptions. And I really think he's going to establish himself as that wide receiver number two. I don't think this being said, I think in this offense, we won't have say a true number one, but it's like Corey Davis and Denzel Mims are almost interchangeable where Sometimes some games it's gonna be Corey, some games it's gonna be Mims, but I could see him hitting 60 receptions this year. Moving on to his yards, I set his yards at 625 yards. Joey, what do you think? I kind of like that number. I'm gonna go over. I think he has around um he kind of hover around 650 or 700. And I think it's gonna really depend on I think you think he's still gonna get a decent amount of plays over 20 plus yards this year. And uh, obviously being a red zone threat as well. Man, you make a good point, though. I could see him racking up just a lot of receptions, like games where he goes like five for 70 with no touchdowns and, and of that nature. But uh, I'll go over here with the yards. Tony? What was it, 650? 625. 625. I'll go over. I think his ability, his ability after the catch is a little underrated. I think there was a few plays last season where I'm like, this guy, this guy can kind of move, like – you know, it, it really surprised me because, again, he's, he's, he's really big. So I'm going to go over. I think – I don't know if all my predictions are, are going to equal – I don't know if it's going to all happen, but I'm going to go over there. I'm also going to go over. Like I said, I think that Mims is going to be that wide receiver too for us, and I could see him really racking up those yards. Now, one interesting stat was he had zero touchdowns last year. Hopefully he gets one this year at least, but I said it pretty low here for Mims as well, but four and a half touchdowns for Mims. Tony, what do you think? Okay, so I said over for Moore. I said over for Davis. I have to go under. I don't think there's not enough touchdowns to go around at that point. So Unless you want to say over for Wilson too, because you said under for him. I did say under. So I'm going to go I'm going to go under. He's going to get – what was it, four and a half? I'm going to go four. He's going to get four he's going to get four and they're all going to come in the red zone. None of them is going to be a, you know, six yard bomb, like, or he's, I don't know. I, I think it's, they're going to come in the red zone. He's going to get four. Done deal. Joey. Adam, that's a really good line. Did you make that up? The four and a half. You made that up, right? Yeah. I made that up. Uh, I like they, that. That's yeah, a tough number. Books have these lines. That, that's a tough number. I'm going to go five. I think he has five. I wouldn't be surprised if he came in and cashed him with seven though. Um, but I would say the safe p- 
pick is is five. And again, like Tony said, you can't you know say over for all these guys. I mean, when it all adds up, you got forty touchdowns coming in for Wilson. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that he has five. Uh, the majority of them coming within the red zone. I'm also going to go over here. I think I said the under for Corey Davis. So I think Mims could be that sneaky red zone target. I mean, not too sneaky at six four, six five, but. I think that people are going to be focused on Corey Davis, maybe even focused on Elijah Moore. And it's all of a sudden Mims back of the end zone. So that'd be a great sight to see. I just want him to score one at least, man. He deserves it. Deli <laughs> game too. I mean, you need some fun for him. <laughs> but that's all we had for our stat predictions. So let us know what you guys think. And if you have any stat predictions you want, make sure to tweet them at us. Definitely. Yeah. Tell us what you think about our sporadic over under predictions here we're all over the place but it doesn't matter it's too early on where you you don't have to be set in a place and you don't even know what's going to happen within the next three months so and one point i want to make for all these crazy you know are, are all going to happen is that's a lot of touchdowns to go around we do not have a tight end we don't have a tight end i do not I, i'm done with the chris herndon thing like the niners had greg kittle and we just don't have or yeah greg kittle george. we do not have any george kittle <laughs> okay whatever they have killed. We don't have a single tight end. These touchdowns just have to go all to the receivers. I mean, how is Daniel Griffin still on the team? How is he? What is he doing? Man? Ryan Griffin. I think he get. I think he's gonna get cut. Tony, you're botching these names, man. They're so they're so irrelevant. You're mixing them. <laughs> I'm on air. I got nervous, but I mean, think about it. Daniel Brown, Brian Griffin, most generic names of all time. But JT and I said it. We are not done with Chris Herndon yet. I think that at least I can't. I'm pretty sure I can't speak for JT, but. I think he agrees with me. I think Chris Herndon has a very nice bounce back year. I mean, not anything crazy, but something where he is solidified himself as the number one tight end in this offense. I think we'll see second half Chris Herndon this year, and he'll have a more consistent year with the drops. But I do think Ryan Griffin's going to get cut. Wesco's going to be a fullback, that H-back position. Kenny Aboya, or actually, excuse me, it's not pronounced that way, but sorry, Kenny. <laughs> it's another way i forget it right now but um i think he is a surprise for this tight end group and i really do see him making this team and he was someone that really slipped through the cracks during that draft i thought you guys are really, really high on him i know i know you are i just dude he's not very athletic if you ever watch him he's there's a reason he went undrafted you probably should have gone like the sixth but you watch him and he doesn't have like he almost reminds me of Herndon, just a little like less athletic. Literally, I, I swear it's it's weird. I don't know. I, I think he, he'll make the team because I mean Trevon Wesco. You said he's going to be the what is he? A, is he going to be a fullback or something like? Basically. Well, I mean, to, to close out your point, Tony. I mean, and to back you up here, yes, we're not going to have a, a caliber tight end like like Kittle in our offense. Kittle is arguably the best tight end in the lead league and takes and alleviates so much pressure off the offense. We don't have that. Um, so it's going to be a big adjustment and we'll see, you know, how that progresses throughout the season. We yeah. do also have Croft from the bills, but he is going to be a more of a run blocking tight end. That's why I think Wesco goes, I think Wesco goes West somewhere. Who the hell knows? And then I think Croft is going to be our blocking tight end. Well, I think Wesco is going to be not even a tight end anymore. Just, that strictly halfback, fullback, hybrid guy, goal line offense where he's in that fullback position. You need to utilize the guy somehow, you know. <laughs> I remember we drafted him and, and 
Baldy, uh, Baldy uh, posted a video. He's like, this guy opens up your whole playbook. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> then, then so again, he says that. that about every player in the draft. Yeah, I think he might have closed <laughs> our playbook a little. <laughs> awesome. uh, though. I don't know his full name. Brian Baldinger, I think. Yeah, Baldinger. We've gone over this. JT's. I know. I, I remember the episode where you couldn't get it. <laughs> I forget what I called him too now. I think I didn't I say Brian. I said something else. You call him Bellinger. Not Cody yeah, Bellinger. Bellinger. I call him Brian Bellinger. I was thinking of Cody Bellinger. Yo, quick question. How many touchdowns do you think Keenan Cole gets? Two. Keenan Cole. Two, I oh, said. Keenan Cole. Two. two. Yep. Uh, yeah. Maybe two, maybe like five receiver. Like I don't know. He's good. He was the Jacks, like number three, right? He was number three. Yeah. You factor in injuries, factor in a couple freak things. I think he, he, he sketch him in for two. I'm cool with that, man. I yeah, mean, me too. He again, he's a, a an amazing. This is a wide receiver five that some teams would. I mean, you think about the teams who have these star wideouts who they're paying. They have no depth. I'd rather have a team with where my fifth guy is a potential three. Than just one star and a bunch of scrubs. Yes. I mean, we don't want Jeff Smith, Jeff. Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith. The Smith brothers. I mean, Barrios, I even, I, I kind of want Barrios off the team. Me I too. I want Elijah more of a turning punts, by the way. That's something I want to see. That's what I actually think Keelan Cole is going to be doing. Really? He does. Yeah, that. I think he, he was a punt returner for the Jags, and I think he's going to be punt returning for us a lot. So maybe Barrios is losing that spot. I think Barrios still has a, Spot on this team, he might not be cut. It might be a practice squad guy, though. But, I mean, this depth, though, compared to last year, we won't be seeing the Smith brothers or Barrios, hopefully. Yes, please. No. <laughs> I remember we, we were we were literally pulling guys off the street. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for Sam because, I mean, the guy was throwing to Joe Schmo from, from down the street. You know, but it is what it is. I don't know. Yeah, we don't, you know, that name's in the past now. We're talking about I now. Stop. I just got to stop bringing him up, man. It's tough. Stop. It's tough. It. New yeah, regime here. We have week one. I, I think I want to blow the doors off him so bad. <laughs> I want Quinnen to put him in the ground. <laughs> yeah, we all do. But we'll see. Yeah, anymore, man. He's a, he's a nice guy, but I mean, I want him. I want him in the ground. <laughs> yes, if you're, if you're not actively rooting against him, like if you're rooting for him to do well at this point you're rooting for us to lose the trade you you guys want him to do poorly right we're on the same track yes trip. at first i wanted him to do well but now i hope that he fails to be honest i think at this point you have to you can't take hindsight by uh hindsight bias into account but i think everyone said how the panthers really screwed up for giving us a two for sam darnold after grading out as the 32nd quarterback out of like 36 but i mean i i hope you know what i hope he has a very average quarterback number 17 season and the Panthers just ride them out for six, like 16 years where they're finishing consistently number three, number two in their division. I hope he's on another team in two years. (laughs) I'd rather him throw. I'd rather him throw the same exact year as last year, nine touchdowns, 11 intercepts, whatever the heck he had. Then throw, have an average year. If if he's an average quarterback, we lose the trade. You don't trade it average. You don't trade Kirk Cousins. He's actually above average. Kirk Cousins is better than average, though. Yeah, he is. I'm talking about average being quarterbacks like 17 to quarterbacks 24. That's like Like, QB purgatory right there. Like Dolphins Tannehill, pretty much. You want him to be Dolphins Tannehill. Yeah, like before the... uh, I want him to suck. I want him to be number 32. How about that? (laughs) I don't care. 
I want, and I want Wilson to be really good. And then I want him to be like, thank God. Because then we win the trade. And, and that, we already won the trade. We don't need to win the trade anymore. It's already won. We for need us. to prove that it's won. That's all. I mean, there's no need to prove it. I mean, you traded the 32nd quarterback and you got a second, a fourth, and a sixth. Yes, but you have to take some circumstance. And, you know, there, there's a reason people wanted to keep him. It's because the team around him is trash. So if we could have traded down and kept him and he ends up being good on the Panthers, we look like a bunch of idiots. There might be another reason why people want to keep him, but I'll keep that off the air. Let's not let's not open this can of worms. We're, we're, we're trickling back into like week five here. Well, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Zach Wilson's our quarterback. Uh, Rob Sal is the head coach, and uh, Joe Douglas is the general manager. How about we uh, break into the mailbag with our alone question? Tony's actually used to being on the other end where he's asking the question, but now he is uh, answering it with us right here on the podcast. So we had one question. Uh, from at Ryan Liebs, my friend Ryan Lieberman. He says, is this season's wide receiver room the best we've had since Fitzmagic days? If so, how quickly can those guys generate offense with a new offensive coordinator, quarterback, and running back? So interesting question here. Uh, either of you, go first. Maybe JT, go first. You know, we talked about Prisha. I think it's not better than having Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall because both of those guys had a 1,000-plus yards. But since those days... I think this is our best wide receiver room since those days, especially just with this depth, as we've said many times in this episode, we were doing the over-unders for the receivers. We all expect big things for them. And I really think generally offense with this OC with Zach Wilson and whoever's playing that dominant RB role, whether it be Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, uh, Michael P. Ryan, it could be anyone, Ty Johnson. Uh, Ty Johnson. And I really do think that we're going to be able to generate offense and, we're going to be putting up points this year. That's for sure. Tony. Uh, I agree completely with JT here. I don't think we're going to have a receiving core better than um, 2015 for a while. I mean, Marshall is, was the best receiver we probably ever had on our team for that one season in Jets history. Realistically, that's probably the best season ever for, for a Jets receiver. I, I don't think anything statistically can top it. Um, you know, so I, but this is the most confident I've felt in it since since then easily. And I said this in pre-show uh, as well. Ron, reminds me of the year that we had all those guys that were pretty, pretty decent, Anderson, Anunwa, Curse, and Crowder. But this time they're actually good. So, <laughs> you know, nobody's, there's no real, like, major injury concerns. And if even if there is, we have a good number five. So, you know, I, I do think this is this is the strongest it's been in – in a while since 2015 which is six years ago already yeah and i think that um to answer the second part of the question too how quickly can these guys generate offense with you know the new the new head coach the new offensive coordinator i think again they're, they're going to have all this time to plan to kind of implement these guys into the offense i think that it will generate fairly quickly it's going to kind of all fall on the quarterback in my eyes though and, and how fast zach can really uh catch up to speed with everything. Um, as you said, Tony, it's kind of hard to top or even com not saying that Ryan was comparing the question, but to compare to that wide receiver core that we had in 2015. But yes, I, this is the deepest I think I've ever seen a wide receiver core. Again, last year, you look at last year, we had Denzel Mims as pretty much the guy to add Corey Davis into the mix and even Elijah Moore. And, you know, now that highlights Crowder even more. To give that depth there, it's it's pretty much hard to beat. And, uh, yeah, again, one of the deepest groups we've probably watched or seen uh, 
on a New York Jets team in our lifetime. It's going to be a fun year. That's for dang sure. And I mean, just to gauge you guys, I know it sounds like everyone's excited, but man, it's right around the corner, boys. I'm, I'm freaking pumped. I, I really just can't wait. But it's already, uh, this is a small point that just popped into my head. It's like that scary part of the year. You know, you're, you're sitting here and it's May 27th. You go till August, but then you see that notification pop up. Like Lawrence Cager has suffered a bad injury. Like, oh my God, like, can this not happen? Do, do we even have to practice? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see anyone go down, man. Comes with it. And I love, I love the, I love this part of the season. Cause it's like, oh, we have this guy. We have that guy. We have it. One of these guys is like, one of our good players is probably going to go down at some point during either the offseason or the season. It's just unfortunate. I'm just hoping you just stay as healthy as possible. And luckily we don't have Adam Gase running our players into the ground because whatever the heck that guy was doing wasn't working. I mean, everybody got hurt in practice. It was the weirdest thing ever, you know? Yeah, hammies. Everyone ham- – he, like he told them not to hydrate basically. Everyone had hammy problems. Dude, uh, Brian Poole, ironic because his last name is literally Poole, was out for three weeks of practice because he was dehydrated. <laughs> like, what is he, just not getting water? I don't get it. It was the weirdest thing ever. That was the weirdest thing. I remember that now that you bring it up. But, like, yeah, yeah. I was, it was, like, so weird. Just three weeks for dehydration. I don't know. Someone needs to explain that to me. Yeah, I just don't give me – again, I don't want to see, like, Avery Williamson type – obviously, that was, like, non-contact in preseason. Like, that's shit that, – that's just stuff that shouldn't happen, you know. And it's just – I don't even want to think about it. I just want to get to the season healthy. Everyone's healthy. You know, you miss a couple games here and there. I get it. It's football, but we need to, you know, plan accordingly. 17 game season, everything's changed. So uh, it's more football, more time on the field, and higher chance for injury. So something I hope Salah does that McVay does is he doesn't play any of his starters in preseason at all. Don't. Don't play. Let, let Zach get a couple snaps in, you know. Williamson was out there in like the third quarter of a preseason game and some guy hits him in the knee and he ter- that was like so hard to watch. I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, that was a dumb play. I remember that specifically just because of, like you said, it was the third quarter, just so late in the game. Yeah, yeah. a bunch of questionable moves in the history of the New York Jets, but hopefully <laughs> with this 2021 new regime, we can get past that. So any closing thoughts from you boys before we uh, end this inaugural guest episode? Make sure you give all the boys a follow on Twitter at stacking dollars at hauling hundos and at chasing payments. We all got the money, the money in our Twitter uh, ads here. And make sure to follow the podcast at Jets Lab Pod. Tony, yeah. any closing words from you, man? You know, pumped for the season, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. You know, it's awesome. You know, you guys are doing a great job. And every week this show has gotten progressively better. You know, it's it's really cool to see, and uh, I'm glad my boys finally let me on. So thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to get some time to, to get established first, but we do thank you so much for taking your time, coming on. Definitely want to have you on again. And, uh, again, if you if you want to be a, a Jets Lab podcast guest, it's as simple as just hitting us up and seeing if maybe, you know, your ideas it can, can mold into what we're thinking. So we're very open to having people on, and we love to hear new ideas. So that's pretty much what it boils down to. Remember, if you're rooting for Darnold this season, you're not rooting for the Jets. Exactly. <laughs> Darnold fails or nothing. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys again for uh, tuning into another episode. That'll wrap up episode 16. And we will see you next week. And as always, go Jets.